welcome back to Detroit Strange. The podcast you're listening to. With some holes in the side of your head. They're called ears. Yeah, that is accurate. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that you have them. Yeah. They're beautiful, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Beautiful. You're beautiful. It's true. Uh, I can't stand <laughs> it. Like, I like can't. Like, I don't know. I remember that song blowing up real big in like 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. I think. I know it's not a good song. It's not great. I do feel like, though, if a song's message is that like everybody's beautiful, it does tend to blow up. There's been quite a few of them. That's true. I'm now trying to think of an example and I cannot do it, but I know that there's been other. Yeah, songs, I mean, for sure. Oh, for sure. I, like For some reason, like sometimes I group songs together. I remember like that freaking uh, Bad Day by Daniel Powder and like maybe oh, no yeah no like they just <laughs> i think i like this is like right around when i first got like an ipod and for some reason i bought those two songs oh very specific of you i think the first song i ever bought on itunes though was this is how a heart breaks by rob thomas i don't know why i don't even know how i heard that song but i was just like yeah this is great love this i'm trying to think i know i've definitely bought songs on iTunes, but I was still into all the um um definitely with my first iPod it was Yeah. I do remember though one of my roommates in college. So my room was kind of open to other people. There were several of my room there were seven of us in, in the house. There were several of my roommates who used my computer because they just didn't have one or yeah. whatever. And also my room was kind of big. At one point there was like an extra futon in it because we moved the futon for a party and then didn't want to move it back. Uh-huh. It was just a very loungy room. Some of my roommates took naps in my bed. Uh-huh. So I would just like walk into my room and find <laughs> whoever doing whatever in my room all the time. And part of it was I took one of the basement rooms and it had like the creepy closet with all the like, basement things in it. And that creeps some yeah. of the roommates out. So even though I was last move in, I got a really big room because nobody else wanted it. <laughs> Yeah. But one time I came home and one of my roommates had downloaded a bunch of Chris Caraba music. I have uh, no idea who that is. He he was like <sighs> pop punk's a word. I don't know. He dated Ashley Simpson for a while. And oh, then now it sounds more familiar. I don't know why Ashley Simpson brought in the mix. If I played you the one song, you might like have heard it kind of a thing. He had like a blip. It was it was definitely a blip. Uh, but he had that like emo, you know, hair and everything. And uh, I used to love that emo hair and wanted it so bad. Am I saying his name right, too? I might actually be saying somebody else's name. I have to look this up. I'm so sorry. Do it. Am I looking up? Nope. I'm saying Chris Graba, which is the lead singer for Dashboard Confessional. But there's another guy. <laughs> Ryan Cabrera. That's what I'm trying to say. Very Was different he a skater, people. too. Um, I mean, he was in that whole genre of music. I don't know if he, well, I have his Wikipedia. Just as American musician. Okay. I mean, he might have skated at some point. He was definitely like that style. I have him associated with Tony Hawk Pro Skater for some reason. I mean, I don't know. Oh, and the song I remember her downloading was called On the Way Down. Just fun little side thing. 
if it actually if it had been Chris Crab, I wouldn't have been upset because I was super into dashboard confessional. So I feel silly from that mistake. <laughs> I was never a huge dashboard confessional fan. Like the really the only song. Oh, and this is such throwbacks because my youth minister loved it. I'm trying. I'm like totally blanking on it. Like the it was like a slower jam. I mean, a lot of them. I think it's yeah. you have stolen my heart. Like you have stolen my that one. I get, oh, like, I know I'm which not song doing... it is. Yeah. Um. Well, my friends used to make fun of me because I don't know. I shed all the time. Luckily, I still have a head of hair mm-hmm. because they used to. Um. So the one song was like, "Your hair is everywhere, screaming infidelities." Uh, <laughs> and they used to replace the lyrics with Schmess's hair is everywhere because that was their nickname for me. Uh, yeah. And uh, so my shedding was equated to a dashboard conventional song. I love the difference in vibes of our backgrounds today. Yeah, I lo- you've got the uh, uh, elementary school laser. Yes, that laser background with the mm-hmm. like pink and blue lasers. I'm pretty sure it was my background in second grade. I think it was, I don't know, I think I got it like one year, but I don't think I got it ever, because like, it was always like, the fancy option to get the laser beam background, I don't know why, because literally all I had to do was change a backdrop, but like, mm-hmm. it was like, ooh. Well, it takes a while though, if you're going through like, hundreds of... No, totally, but I feel like they should just organize by background. Like, which oh, yeah, one did you sign up for? that makes sense. That's yeah. how I would do it. Right. Yeah, school pictures. I haven't thought about them in a minute. Mm-mm, me either. We should. <laughs> let's take some sometime. Yes. When all this is over, let's organize a grown up school picture day. And yes. we'll just invite whomever over. We'll have it set up and we'll take we'll, we'll get a green screen so we can have whatever background we want. Uh, and then just have at it. I love that. We'll give five choices. We don't want to go too crazy. We'll give five right. choices. Right. At like GM, we used to get corporate photos taken. Like we had to get like new like people finder photos every once in a while, mm-hmm. which was weird to take like school pictures at work. In my short blip working at a large company, uh, I organized those <laughs> oh, <laughs> like nice. all the time. That was my job was or a large part of it was organizing headshot <laughs> sessions. My company does not do great with them so i'm glad i had my own headshot to provide because like they just they don't have the light it's just like some guy against a conference room wall like that's what you get is you get a conference room wall overhead fluorescent lighting and a camera oh yeah no that the lighting is key (laughs) yeah lighting is everything Mm -hmm. i mean background definitely matters too it can be distracting but you can have like a um an actual background that exists and it'd be okay if the lighting and the angles are yeah appropriate yeah it was weird because i had to take my own badge photo for that job too like i took my own i remember it was at my on the balcony of my ann arbor apartment because i was like that's the most neutral background i could find mm-hmm. yeah i hate badge photos though i'm like nobody needs a picture of me on this i mean it's like a driver's license photo they're never gonna look good true it just no i was gonna say um it's gone I lost oh, it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I've been having that happen a lot lately. Where I'm just like, wait. I know. Me just- too. I 
can't remember easy words lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that whole, I think, honestly, like pandemic, COVID, whatever you want to call it, brain, like things are just turning to mush where I I know the word exists and normally it would be like on the tip of my tongue, but it's not even on the tip of my tongue. It's like at the bottom of my foot. Yeah. Like it's just it's nowhere you can find it quickly. No, no. And then you have to take like a whole sentence to describe it. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And then you're like, "Uh uh-huh. You're like, I never would have gotten there. Thank you for your help, other person. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely increased the amount of talking to myself I do because I just need to talk sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing, though. There's actually like a lot of studies that show that we we make it sound like it's a weird or bad thing, but it's absolutely not. It's a really good way to help you like work through things and honestly just have a conversation with yourself. Like there's so many benefits and positive things for your brain to be talking to yourself. And it's actually a sign of intelligence. Some say I say, keep talking to yourself. I do it all the time. I also sing to myself all the time. And you know what? No regrets. No regrets. Not even a letter. Not even regrets. Regrets. Do you ever use an accent when you talk to yourself? Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Uh, okay, well, there's kind of three. So one of them would be in college. My room, my roommates, well, they were my roommates eventually. My friends had this thing they called it the accent. It's just an amalgamation of like, it kind of sounds Eastern, Eastern European, but it's like kind of not really placed in anything just like and ambiguous it's, it's it's just uh it's, it's super ambiguous if you know what i mean like it doesn't really fit in it anywhere but you just you use it all the time and you just talk like it and it's a lot of fun but like you can you talk very fast during it but it like really doesn't it doesn't fit in anywhere and it, it really isn't meant to represent any kind of anything it's just he's just talking it like kind of bounces between like russian scottish i just kind of it bounces all over mm-hmm. i love it so that one's a lot of fun. Um, sometimes British, because British is just. Oh, yeah. And like never like good British. I feel like my British is like stereotypical British or from British. Like, all right, go now. Like just mm-hmm. terrible. I also do Southern accent a lot. I don't do the Southern as much and I don't know why. Yeah, sometimes I'll just get stuck in it. And like, I'm not even going to do it because I will get stuck in it. And we don't need that the rest of this episode. <laughs> But yeah, no, accents are fun. I am always afraid of like doing it so terribly that it's like offensive or something. I'm... Oh, yeah. Sometimes my ex. <laughs> One time I was doing like the really bad British accent for my friend Ricky. And he's like, I know that like. You're technically like from like you're ancestrally from British, but this still feels racist somehow. I'm like, all right. I mean, you're not wrong. Just. <laughs> making fun of the brits but you know what they do it right back at us so i don't feel bad i mean i guess it matters on the context under which you're oh yeah i'm not like mocking british people i'm just like i wouldn't expect that enjoying the breadth and depth of their Mm -hmm. and like it's fun because i'm watching like uh drag race uk right now Mm -hmm. and just hearing like the accents from all around the country because usually like when you're watching a british tv show most people are like have very similar accents or like you, it's just not as obvious, but when like a reality show like that, when it's people from all over, yeah, you can kind of he- pick up on the differences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do love a Liverpool accent. I couldn't list. I mean, I guess that one I know because it's more like Beatlesy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The most recent British I've listened to is Bridgerton. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
I haven't started it yet, but I've had people talk to me about it, and I'm like, it's all right. Yeah, that's kind of the consensus I've got. Is just, it's fine. If you're in the mood, go for it. But I wouldn't like rush to it. However, I've been really into more documentaries and stuff. Actually, since finishing Bridgerton, I don't know if I was like, wow, I really need some nonfiction in my life after that fi- that fiction. Yes. But I've been. First of all, I watched. I watched this the day it came out accidentally. But there's a um on Netflix. It's I've watched it twice. The documentary about the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, is so That's been good. on my list. That's been on my list for a minute because everyone's talking about it. It's I really it's well done. Brutal. Like, gr- it's, yeah. Well, if you but know anything. It's, not, it's a documentary, yeah. though. Yeah, it's not like they're making it gruesome for gruesome's sake. They're kind of just telling it how it was, right? There's more that... um there's a lot of really good information in it, but there's also more that happens because you find out a lot about like the detectives on the case too. So it's not just about the actual murders themselves. Like there's kind of a human element to it's like a, a nice juxtaposition because you're finding out about them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all I'm going to say about that. And then um, also though, so like there's the reenactment time because they're not just going to be, you know, talking heads the yeah. whole time. The way they do it is very like, cinematic like they do a really good job of not like here's a reenactment but like they they kind of set the scene and they they give you some like small glimpses but it's definitely more like artistically done i guess like the cinematography is just it's it just has everything in it to be honest like it it's just packaged up really well for such a gruesome terrible horrible thing yeah and i mean it is upsetting but they I don't know they just give really good information and i like that i like good information they did a really good uh job of putting it together and then beyond that i stumbled i was watching on self mysteries on hulu because i love it but there's only like four seasons um mm-hmm. and i ran out of it and it switched over to it's a show on the id network but it's called a crime to remember okay i've never seen it before but for like that kind of show like a, a quick show it's really surprisingly well done sometimes i love a show that can just get in and get out with like six mm-hmm. to ten episodes and that's all they needed because sometimes that's all i need you know well no a crime to remember though each episode is a, a different story like a different oh, okay. unique case yeah but i think they're probably like 40 minutes or something like that they're not super short but they also do a really good job of not um making like the reenactments like overly cheesy sometimes a little bit but like not overly so and when they can talk to people they do but there's like a lot of stuff from like the 20s or 30s so then it's more historians and stuff talking about it but it's just yeah i've never seen it before it's interesting i like it and i would recommend it if anybody's like into that stuff which side note too i have a podcast i've been meaning to tell you about oh what's it called that actually producer patty told me about uh it's called chameleon and it's a Hollywood con queen. She sent me she sent me that one, actually, Patty, producer Patty. I highly, highly recommend it. I recommended it to somebody on a um like a post in Facebook too from like a group, a general group. Yeah. And I think the, the same girl who made the post got back to me and she was like, I just finished it. I love it. So How many like episodes even is a it? stranger is it a... liked it. Yeah. Um it's a full season. Okay. It's very twisty and turny. I'm not going to say too much other than, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Just speaking of documentaries, that made me think about how 
Paris is Burning got taken down from Netflix. I can't find it anywhere now. And it's such a bummer because it's like a really good documentary about like something that's not talked about. I know like not many people have seen it. And like, it's just like, I don't know. It's just interesting because it's like drag is so big right now. Like Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like the like I don't want to say the origins of drag because drag's been going on for a long time. But like kind of like the. I think it was the start of like kind of the modern drag era with like the ballroom culture and just ballroom culture in general is so fascinating to me. And I'm so sad they, it's gone now. Is it anywhere? I don't think it's or anywhere because just... like no. I was like Googling it and it's just like I can't find like it's it, it like looks like it got taken down from streaming. I don't know where you can get it now. That's a bummer. Oh, it looks like it it's available on uh, YouTube. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, no, I mean, that's still not as accessible. Yeah. Oh, and it's part of the Criterion Collection. I was just about to say. Yeah. I love the Criterion Collection. That's where I got Mm -hmm. um, my copy of Polyester by John Waters. And it even came with a Smellorama card. I haven't scratched it because I'm like, I feel like I can't scratch this. (laughs) You know, when you get a collectible like that. Now you need a second one. One to scratch and one to leave. There we go. That's the solution. Mm-hmm. I love. I haven't seen Polyester in a minute, but I love that movie. I've never seen that one. I've only seen the uh, like the main. I guess John Waters. Yeah, I'd say Polyester is like the earliest I've gone with John Waters and like made it through because I've started some of the earlier ones and just like, you know, he was back in the day working on a shoestring budget and just kind of like things didn't age well in terms of like quality, and so they're. Mm-hmm. And I hate being that person who's like, oh, it's just so low quality. Like, like, I think even in his memoir, he kind of admits, like, he'd like, I think in his memoir, he even said, sell it as early as you can, because then you can get a budget, even if you like, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more difficult to do stuff on your own. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it and definitely yeah. go ahead and, and do it. But there's a reason there's like hundreds of people who work on films. <laughs> yeah no it's like i think now is like a more accessible time just because like technology's come such a far away but yeah you really can't mm-hmm. i mean you can make a movie on your own it's just so i mean same with like video games because i've tried to develop video games in the past by myself and i don't make it very far because there's just so many moving parts that it's hard to do by yourself yeah i can't even imagine that that blows my mind yeah Especially because I don't have a lot of the know-how. I have the te- I have the coding, but that's like such a small part of the game because you have to do all the 3D modeling and animation. And oh, see, so yeah, that's the stuff that my brain just yeah, I'm overwhelmed by and amazed by people who can do that. And for like you know animated films and such too, with the the 3D, the patience is oh, amazing. Definitely. Um, so based off your background, are you drinking vodka? I'm not. Uh, Her background is think. potatoes. I don't think we mentioned that mm-hmm. yet. I love that it's potatoes. It's an old background. I don't remember why I initially put it up. This is like beginning of of quarantine. I put this up in a group once. I feel like I was in that group. Probably. Like I, feel, I feel like I vaguely remember this. Um, the Zoom call. But I got on here today and I was like, I want to change my background, but I didn't have like inspiration. Uh-huh. And I was like, potatoes, just 
a pile of potatoes. That sounds good. Let's put yeah. that up. <laughs> just a pile of potatoes. Yeah. No, I'm uh I just have a, a small little glass of red wine because Love that. Sometimes it's, you know. Easy breezy. Right. I almost had wine today, but then I was like, I saw a lime that I had cut on like Saturday, still on the counter. And I was like, <laughs> I guess I'll have a mascot mule. Oh, it's probably nice. gross, but like I cut off the ends of the lime. It's where the juicy part was again. Like, I don't think limes go bad, but also I guess we'll find out. They dry out. That's like, they're, that's, what that's I when they're bad. Yeah, I think yeah. you're fine. Well, since we're we're all cut up and we're dehydrating ourselves. Uh, yes. <laughs> should we get back to visiting part two of the Dodge Brothers? I cannot wait to see how the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are going to be visiting most, and I'm going to say keyword most, Ooh. of the Dodge Airs because there's actually going to be a part three. As as we yes. we've decided, because it's a long one. It's a long one. It is, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, because again, it's a name you hear a lot, but you don't really know much about behind the name. You know. Yeah. No. Exactly. And again, it was just like wild ride after wild ride. So we're we're gonna yeah. take a few of them today, uh, and we are gonna learn a little bit about most of the Dodge chairs. Ooh. So the way I kind of broke this up is by family. So we're going to go through uh, Horace's surviving family and then John's surviving family. Okay. So Anna, his wife. Um, just a side note, because I didn't know where to put this either, but like this needs to be mentioned. This is how rich she was. She was the owner of a five-strand pearl necklace that was once owned by Catherine the Great. Damn. Yeah. Horace had purchased it from Cartier with proceeds from the 1912 Ford stock sale when they got all that money for $825. That's it? Yeah. I didn't look up this this trans, like what this would be today, but... That still seems low for considering how many freaking pearls that had to have been. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. I'm just, I do have other numbers. I'm like, can I, can I math the inflation rate right now? No, I cannot. What year was it? Uh, it was 1912 when he bought it for $825. You looking it up? Yeah. Okay, then I will wait. So that'd be about $22,620 today. So that seems right for... I guess so, but I I feel like the historical aspect of being owned by Catherine the Great. But also this was probably not too long. I I don't really know when Catherine the Great was around. My only yeah. point of reference for her is from Drag Race when they did like the baddest bitches in the universe or through history thing. Mm-hmm. She fucked a horse, I think. I have no idea because <laughs> I did not look her up. There was no sign yes. of journey into her. There was something with the so horses maybe. in her. She was definitely the OG horse hoe. A horse hoe? Literally? She was the original horse hoe. <laughs> okay. Uh, in 1926, Anna did purchase the Charles Swift house and gave her house next to Rose Terrace. So that yeah, one with all the bathrooms to her son, Horace Jr. As a gift. Here's these 12 ba- or 24 bathrooms. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And he would reside there the rest of his life. Uh, I mean, when you got 24 bathrooms, mm-hmm. you, yeah. there's really nowhere but down to go from there. So I get it. 
And the same year, Delphine, the yacht, not the child, okay. uh, had actually caught fire in New York and sank. And Anna took on a five-year renovation project to restore it to its glory, after which it enjoyed a few years before it was put into duty in the Navy when it was stripped down again. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. The same year, so again, 26, Anna and Horace actually, it seems like they were quite in love. Like, she was very, very lonely upon his his death. Yeah. It was, you know, whatever. She did end up remarrying. So her second husband, who was 14 years her junior. I know. An actor named Hugh Dillman. And he was a Broadway and silent film. And an actor. Yes. Of course. And they met in Europe. And as it turned out, at that point, he was actually a real estate agent in Palm Beach and assisted Mrs. Dodge in purchasing the largest house in Palm Beach. It had 100 rooms. It was called Playa Rienta, which is Spanish for Laughing Beach. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah the two were married may 8th 1926 so shortly after her purchase at rose terrace sus that's sus wait why is that sus that like, she just she met a younger man okay i hope that that or she was sus. like are you saying he's sus oh yeah i'm saying he's sus oh that's fine yeah let okay. me sell you this expensive ass house and then we can get married sus well that's how they met though I mean, I do see a little bit of sus there for sure. They just happened to meet and she was like, she bought a lot of property. She really did. When you have more money than God, like Mm -hmm. it seems like the Dodge Brothers did. Mm -hmm. What else do you have to do? And it's not the Dodge Brothers money anymore now. That's hers. So yeah, no. Yeah. So right after they got married at Rose Terrace, they also purchased the nearby country club. You know, the one that wouldn't have uh, Horace and her as a member. Yeah. She bought it? Tore it down. Yep, she bought it, tore it down to make way for new construction. (laughs) Yes. And actually later in life, she would comment that Hugh, the actor, uh, was actually the one who taught her how to really enjoy her wealth. So maybe he was a little sus. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Although he was having her do it for her. Yeah. He was having her do it for her, too. So, And she would actually accumulate a collection... While enjoying it, she would actually accumulate a collection of jewelry worth over $6 million, which did not include that pearl necklace, by the way. Okay. That pearl necklace, however, she would only wear twice before giving to her daughter, Delphine. What else did Delphine get? Because apparently she's a boat that burned down, but the child, she didn't get a house. Oh, Delphine was plenty rich. Don't worry about it. We'll get to Delphine later. Delphine had it all. Don't worry about it, honey. Okay. I was just looking out for my girl, Dolphin. Yeah, no, don't worry about any of the, don't worry about any of the heirs. Okay, okay. At all. Other than them being jerks, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 1930, Anne and Hugh actually built a new home by the same name as Rose Terrace. So kind of a Rose Terrace the second, but they just still called it Rose Terrace. Rose Terrace too. This time it's personal. Mm-hmm. And because they had all this other property now, it was modeled after Mansion Rhode Island and very fancy. She and Hugh spent two years in Europe under the guidance of an art dealer collecting materials for the new house. And the new mansion was completed in 1934 at a cost of about $4 million, so over $75 million today. Damn. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, she also took a liking to England and purchased a mansion near Windsor in 1932. Why not? Just accumulating property. Right. Before construction was a complete on the new Rose Terrace in 1935, though, Anna and Hugh actually split. They officially uh, divorced by... Mm-hmm. I hope she had a prenup. I 
not you know what prenups i don't i don't know because that never came up in any of these situations but it she was fine yeah oh definitely they actually didn't even officially divorce until 1947 Mm -hmm. and she took back the dodge last name at that point work and she would spend her later years in life basically financially bailing out her granddaughters (laughs) christina cc cromwell and anna yvonne baker ranger what a name, Anna Yvonne mm-hmm. Baker Ranger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, to the stage, Anna Yvonne Baker Ranger. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want to worry about people being sus, those 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 would be the ones. Oh, definitely. Although they weren't really sus because they were just outright they were just trash. Really, yeah. Uh, in 1951, she wanted to turn turn Anna wanted to turn Playa Rienta into a school or a club, but the nearby city council didn't approve the zoning, so she sued them, but ultimately lost in court. So she basically held a large estate sale, got rid of a bunch of stuff. It was demolished uh, in 1958, and she just returned to Rose Terrace from that time. Okay. She had been doing the uh, winter, summer, you know. Yeah. Snowbird. Yeah. In 1954, we're going to get back to one of the granddaughters, uh, Cece, who was then 31 years old and on husband number 405, sued to have Anna and the Detroit Trust Company removed as control of the family's trust, claiming that her grandfather's money was not earning the rate it should of return that it should. Trifling ass bitch. Mm-hmm. Well, she might have been worried about it because her lifestyle, um, to fund her lifestyle, she had already sold shares against her eventual inheritance to over 250 people or firms in a sum totaling $3 million. Bitch, get your pocketbook right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, by the early 60s, Anna stopped her annual stay in Florida. Like I said, she was living in Rose Terrace past the death of her last child, Horace Jr., who passed in 1962. We will talk about him in a little bit. Oh, damn. So all her kids died before her or just Horace Jr.? Yes, all of them died before her. Savage father time. Yeah. So she actually passed away in 1970. And after passing many of the items sorry, from the home, were donated to the DIA, and the remaining was sold off by, or auctioned off by Christie's. Okay. She was 103, I think, when she passed. I saw a few different numbers. This one seemed the most consistent, though. Also, the New York Times mentioned that she was 103, so we're going to go with that. Yeah. And she actually left $2 million to the city to build the Horace E. Dodge and Sun Memorial Fountain, which opened in 1978 in Hart Plaza. It's that one with the big ring on the top, and it's a fountain in the middle of Hart Plaza. I did not know that that was the Dodge Fountain. There's no sign or placard. I've seen it listed places, and I have seen that, but I would never think about it. Does that mean because it looks too yeah. modern to be related to the Dodge Bros? But I get it because there's a widow. Do- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was quoted, by the way, too, as saying, "The happiest days of my life were when I was packing horse Dodge's lunch pail." She said that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of her estate was left to her son Horace Jr.'s children because Delphine's daughters were both cut out of the will. Work. Mm-hmm. Um, Cece had already taken more than her $11.9 million inheritance to creditors, as mentioned. And Yvonne had borrowed more than $6.5 million directly from Anna in addition to owing the bank $1.3 million. What were they doing? Mm-hmm. By this point, too... Yvonne was the actual owner now of the Catherine the Great necklace because her mother had gifted it to her. And she chose to split up the five strands amongst friends and family. 
uh, three of which she did reunite in 2008 to sell at auction for $800,000. Bitch. Mm-hmm. So after Anna's death, Rose Terra sat empty for a few years. TV crews were allowed in to kind of just show it to that public before the treasures were auctioned off at Christie's. Mm-hmm. No buyer could be found, though, because I'm sure it was pretty expensive. Expensive, yeah. Yeah, and no nonprofit could afford to the upkeep because that would be yeah. expensive, too. It was torn down in 1976. Oh, that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. So both is either Rose Terra standing because there was the original, then the like the OG, and then the sequel. They were in the same place. I think they were in the same uh, place. Okay. I think, yeah. Couldn't find it written exactly like that, but from what I can surmise from everything, it, it was the same property. So I think one took over the other. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna go to Delphine now. So the mother of these two granddaughters, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. And Horace's only daughter. And known for being a bit of a wild child, beautiful and impulsive. Okay. Uh, she represented the quote unquote modern American woman in the press, and she was mentioned very often. Socialite. Yes. This is this is our E star. Yes. Uh, she often stayed in the Palm Beach estate that they owned. While she was there one time, she met and married a son of a legendary Philadelphia socialite named James Cromwell. And the wedding, which there's actually video coverage of, which Interesting. is insane. So what year was that? And this is a 1920, 1920. So the same year her dad died. I just put that together. Yeah. They had 3,000 guests. That is exorbitant. Yeah. How dare they? Naturally, it was held at Rose Terrace. Okay. In yeah. June of that year. I said it got torn down because it sounds like a great venue for weddings, apparently. Yes. And the wedding was basically anybody who was anybody from Detroit or Philadelphia, basically in attendance. So it was kind of like the coming together of the two cities. Yeah. At the end of the day, it they didn't take off in a car like people usually do after a wedding. Uh-huh. Uh, they took off in a yacht, the one named Delphine. Of course. Could you imagine riding off in a boat named your name? I think Alex is a dumb name for a boat. <laughs> it's a great name for a set of drawers at Ikea, but not a good name for a boat. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> she did share her father's love of boats, though, and she would actually at one point in time be the first woman to win the President's Cup in 1927. Work. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, around that same time, James Cromwell and her marriage was crumbling a little bit so they divorced in 1928 okay but don't you worry she wasn't single for long oh of course not no she actually married a banker 20 years her senior named raymond barker in how many years 20 years older than her okay interesting because yeah. she had her own money well maybe she didn't have her own money mm-hmm mm-hmm for a wedding gift her mother commissioned a new home in washington dc for the couple a 30 room adaption of a hotel in france okay sure why not mm-hmm. uh by 1935 however delphine and baker's marriage also grew stormy and it was known that they would have a lot of separations and then reconciliations like just a lot in a yeah. row and it ultimately ended though when baker died i mean with an age gap of two decades that's a pretty it can happen. Pretty fair ending. Yeah. It didn't stop her, though. She would end up marrying another banker just several months later named 
Timothy, it's either Gaudi or Godi. It's G-O-D-D-E or G'day. Goad? I don't know. Goad. Uh, Timothy G. So she moved from the D.C. estate into another state in Rye, New York. She continued to make headlines, though, when she had a quite public romance with Irish prize fighter Jack Doyle starting in 1937. Oh, she she cheated on her man with a boxer. Very publicly so. Oh. <laughs> she would actually move to Reno, attempt to divorce Timothy G. So she could marry this other guy, Doyle. Scandalo. <laughs> but right before he, the divorce hearing in 1938, she went back to Timothy G. She knew where her bread was buttered. Shortly after this, though, she was named a defendant in a $2 million alienation and affection lawsuit by a film actress named Judith Allen. Why do you think that is? Because she was married to the rest of the boxer? She sure was. She was married, or he had divorced her to go get with Delphine. Oh, she's like, I found my ticket. I found my meal mm-hmm. ticket. Here we go. Let's divorce. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what happened of this. I'm going to assume probably a settlement of some sort because there wasn't really anything yeah. said about it. Uh, by 1943, after living a very fast lifestyle fueled by a lot of alcohol, she actually died in her, her rye home with her husband by her side, leaving behind a daughter from each of her first two marriages. So those granddaughters, they were actually half sisters. What's her face? Yep. Mm hmm. Oh, and then she also had the um, Catherine the Great pearl necklace returned to her mother, which I'm not sure how that is because it was split up by that point, I think. But Right. She know. gave some pearls. Yeah. So now we're going to get on to Delphine's brother, Horace Jr. Okay. And he made his mark founding Dodge Boat Works in Detroit with a $2 million bankroll from his mom in 1923. And he produced the first Dodge water car. Okay. I'm I'm interested. Ears have peaked. I don't have much about it other than he had. So he had a facility here for it, but he opened a bigger one in Virginia, keeping the Detroit one open, too. But by 1936, it all shut down only to open reopen briefly for the war to build military boats. However, after the war was done, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So he focused on his yachts, powerboats, and even enjoyed hydroplane racing. He won many trophies. Sure. (laughs) Throughout his life, he would marry and divorce five times. You know what? (laughs) Are you noticing a theme? I'm noticing a theme, and it makes me so salty when I hear shit like this, and people are thinking the gays are ruining the sanctity of marriage. Mm. Right. Right. The gall, the nerve, the audacity of these bitches. (laughs) His final marriage was at age 52 to a 27-year-old actress, another theme, named Greg Sherwood. And Her name was Greg? Yeah, G-R-E-G-G. Two Gs, okay. Yeah, so I'm not sure, I, but I can't think of another way to say it, so. Greg, Yes. Can you, roll, can you roll a G, Greg? No, definitely not. <laughs> Greg. Uh, <laughs> They got married at the Playa Orienta home in Palm Beach, and he actually died a year after his final divorce in 1962 in Detroit. So they were getting a divorce when he died. All right. His mother was actually down in Florida while he was up in Detroit. She sped to be by his side, but he passed before she could make it. Literally, she was in a limo racing down I-94. In a limo. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. His last words were, where's mother? 
Oh. All her kids seem like trash. Uh, here's something else that she had to deal with, too. His last divorce wasn't finalized. It wasn't fully legalized. The paperwork hadn't all the way gone through. So he was technically married to Greg. Two G's. Greg. Yep. Greg, two G's. Greg, Greg. She's now a widow. And the next year she would go on to sue her mother-in-law, uh, who, who was in her mid-90s by this point, too. Uh, it was settled out of court for about $10 million. Damn. Is it weird that I'm picturing Bunny McDougal from Sex in the City? I don't know that character. It was, um, um, what's her name? The really uptight ones. First husband's mother-in-law. Oh, uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yes. I know okay. her name is Kristen in real life. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I do know who you're talking about. Yes, yes. Yes. That's all I'm picturing now is that scene where it's like, like Charlotte versus Bunny and like, and like the son calls up and he's like, mother, just give her what she wants. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yes. Buddy McDougal. <laughs> what a bitch. Yes. Um, so now we're going to move on to John's surviving family. Okay. Buckled up, ready to go for another another sibling. Good. In 1920, Matilda, so her, Matilda, his wife, just refresher, it's been a second. Yeah. Uh, she sailed to Europe and lived there for over a year after her stepchildren actually were contesting John's will. Because uh, he had had three kids from a previous marriage. Yeah. And then kids with her. Honestly, that's smart. Get out of the way. Legal shit's happening. I don't want to have you a part of that. I'll go to Europe. Yeah. A few months after the sale of the company, she actually remarried. So okay. this is 1925. So five years after their passing, she and her second husband, Alfred Wilson, who was a lumber baron, Ooh. Uh, built Meadowbrook Hall on the Rochester property. So it's now officially Meadowbrook. Okay. Along with a few other farm buildings. She began expanding her farm stock to the point where at the start of World War II, the farm was about 2,600 acres and employed between 20 and 40 staff members. Damn, that's a good farm. Mm-hmm. And many pieces of the house were moved from the unfinished Lakeshore Drive mansion uh, John had been attempting to build. Because remember, he bought the property to be close to his brother. Yeah. That hundred room or 110 room, 24 bathroom one. It never was finished. It just okay. was conceptualized and started so she took a lot of stuff from there i think over to the meadowbrook place okay. and the rest of that house would actually come down by 1940 and she and alfred would go on to adopt two children named richard and barbara in 1930 together we stand a barbara yeah in 1938 matilda's son daniel actually passed away we'll talk a little more about that in a second on his honeymoon but you know, tragic for his mother mm-hmm in 1940, Matilda took on the position of Lieutenant Governor of Michigan. Work, why not? This woman was, like, educated. Uh, she also got, like, honorary degrees and stuff, too. Yes. Yeah, so. She's my favorite. She's my favorite so far. I don't know. Did I have a favorite? I don't know. That's too much. Um, she now built another property at Meadowbrook called Sunset Terrace, which would be their retirement home. Okay. And it. In 1955, she received an honorary doctorate, uh, doctor of law degree from MSU. Work. They had a good relationship with MSU, who again at that point was like a farming. Michigan Agricultural Uni- College, yes. whatever it was. I don't know. Yes. I didn't go there. By 1957, I didn't. I don't remember. Uh, 1957, <laughs> the Wilsons, Matilda and Alfred, 
donated the 1,500-acre Meadowbrook farm and all of its buildings, along with $2 million to Michigan State University for an extension campus. This would later become Oakland University. Damn. Okay, interesting. It was MSU for a long time, but it was like MSU Oakland because it's Oakland County right there is what I'm assuming. And then it eventually kind of spun off into its own university. In 1962, Alfred passed from a heart attack, at which point Matilda moved back to Meadowbrook Hall, where she would live out the rest of her life. She gave each member of the first graduating class of MSU Oakland a diamond ring. I mean, all I got was an empty envelope, so a diamond ring. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, it was 1967 when she passed, and that was from a heart attack at age 83. She passed in Brussels, Belgium, while on a trip touring horse breeding farms. And she left most of her estate to the Matilda R. Wilson Fund, a charitable trust she'd established in 1944. Okay. I'm more on board with anything Matilda's done than mm-hmm. any of Horace's side. I didn't mind Anna. No, Anna was fine. Yeah, I liked Anna. She just, like, had the issue of all these garbage children. children and grandchildren. And just hold your tongue a little bit on Matilda, because there's some stuff coming up. Fair. Okay. I'm not going to give anything away quite yet, but just, I don't think she was inherently, I will say though, I don't think, I'm not going to even say anything. I'm going to give it away. We'll just, yeah. We'll get into it next week. We're not, we're not there yet though. So we're going to talk about Danny Dodge. So this is, uh, again, you know, Matilda and Johnson. Dandy? Danny. Daniel. Oh, Danny. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about his mysterious death on his honeymoon. Ooh, yeah, what happened there? Just a little bit of description for him. He had dark, like, comb straight back hair, steel rim glasses, and much like his uncle Horace, he actually loved tinkering in workshops, uh, and he he liked boats, too. And so, like any 20-year-old who is also a millionaire, what did he do? He went and bought a house in Canada on an island. (laughs) It wasn't Pesh Island, was it? It was not. Uh, It was way up here. Okay. Pointing above, and it's in the Ontario area of Canada. The island is called Manitouin. Okay. I think that's how you say it, but I'm not 100%, but it's M-A-N-I-T-O-U-L-I-N. And specifically, his property was located on Maple Point there. And it's the largest freshwater island in the world, actually. Huh. Yeah. It's basically on one side of it, it's got, um, which lake is that there? Lake Huron. And on the other side, it's the Canadian georgian bay so yeah his lodge was about a half hour ride away from the village of kagawang and he spent most of his time there speeding around in either his flashy red convertible flashing flashing his lights honking his horn giving others ride into town closest town being four bay and when he wasn't driving that he was driving his speedboat on the water or waiting for the mailboat to come with the kids in town (laughs) uh his lodge was a ranch style i think there was a picture i saw it looked like wood cabin had okay. a huge stone fireplace pool table electric generators tennis court small dock where he would dock his boat and he fell in love with a local telephone operator named annie lorraine mcdonald fun Annie was tall athletic and in later years would develop a love of large hats oh we'd love <laughs> us say something hat uh-huh wait did i say annie I think so. I didn't mean that, though. Oh, she goes by Annie and Lorraine. I confused myself. She goes by Annie and Lorraine? 
it's Annie Lorraine. That was her name. Like one was a middle name. Okay. But she must have because the information I got switched to Lorraine at some point. When his family heard of their wedding, they were shocked and they thought her to be a gold digger, but that didn't stop him. He married her. Good. They were married August 2nd of 1938 at good old Meadowbrook. Fun. They actually didn't do anything too fancy for their honeymoon. They just went to his house up on Manitouan Island. So he fired his longtime caretaker and he actually hired three of Annie Lauren's friends named Frank Valiquette, Lloyd Bryant, and Lloyd's wife. Because she doesn't get a name. She's just his wife. Of course. Silly yeah. woman. Yes. On August 15th, so just or just shy of two weeks after the wedding, there was a horrible accident. Danny and his dudes were out doing dumb dude shit. And actually, his wife was looking on from the doorway, but they were in the garage playing with none other than dynamite. Of course. They were lighting it, throwing it out the window, and watching it explode. What a grand old time. That's just like my uncle's neighbor, Debbie. We were sitting in a pontoon boat on Cedar Lake once, and she was just throwing sticks of dynamite in the lake. Don't do that. That's bad. That's yeah. super bad. It's not good, and accidents happen because yeah. they did on this day. Oh, no. Uh, Danny went to throw it. It hit a windowsill, came back in. Shrapnel blew everywhere. It exploded. Just bad. Bad, 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 bad. Yeah. That's how he died? Well, not no, actually. They're not close to any hospital, so... They actually opted to take a boat, and at this point, Lloyd Bryant, so one of the the friends, was actually the most hurt, and we'll get to his injuries in a second, and then basically Annie, or Lorraine, however you want to say it, she ended up driving the boat. Uh, she decided she wanted to drive the boat. She had some injuries, but they weren't, like, horrible, and so they all get in the boat, and they start going, and about it would be about a 40-minute ride, ride on smooth weather. On this day, there were like four foot waves, which isn't great. Mm -hmm. And so they, after two hours, they still weren't there. And I'm just going to call her Lorraine, his wife, got tired. And so she asked Frank Valicat, because he wasn't super injured either, to start driving. Mrs. Bryant then screamed. This is when Lorraine looked over and she saw Danny going over the side of the boat. Holy shit. Just diving in. They searched for about 10 minutes. They noted their location, though, and continued on their way to the hospital because at this time, Bryant was basically bleeding out. His stomach was cut open and an artery was slashed. Ooh, that's not good. Mm -hmm. So news of Danny's drowning made it across the nation and basically included a $1,500 reward for anybody who could find his body. It would be 23 days before two fishermen would pull up his remains. Damn. Mm -hmm. His death was basically marked as accidental death by drowning. But some islanders speculated that it was planned by Annie or Lorraine with eyes on the Dodge Fortune or that she possibly took advantage of the odd situation. Others suspected that the Dodge family as they did it as they didn't agree with the marriage in the first place. And others just think the water was shitty that day and he slipped and fell in. Some think he might have been in pain and seeking cool relief. And... Whatever the reason, after all was said and done, Lorraine, after a battle, inherited at least $1.25 million. That is a, such an interesting situation because, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. no, there's so many things at play there where nobody yeah. can really know what for sure was the reasoning. Mm -hmm. And after the whole ordeal, Lorraine had a short marriage to the plastic surgeon who had helped her recover from her injuries. 
Love that. They separated after a short time, though, and she eventually married another man and moved to California. Cool. Bryant, the man who was injured, did recover. And when he was in his 90s, a reporter visited him for the, the story that I got this information from. Yeah. And he was living with his second wife who he had met at the, a nursing home. Oh. Mm-hmm. At first, he was very reluctant to talk about the event with the reporter, but his new wife, Lillian, urged him to open up. And basically, he said that Danny was a good guy, but that newspapers had it wrong. He wasn't that hurt by the blast. He had no cut over half inch long or deep. And Lillian offered her perspective that Danny may have been scared of being held responsible, especially if Bryant had died. And essentially that guilt and fear kind of caused him to just. He fell overboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lodge actually still sits there. I think it's in pretty decent condition from what I can tell. I don't think anybody lives there right now. There is a guy, I think, who's a caretaker of some sort, and he's saving it in case there's any kind of film or situation made uh, eventually. But locals do talk about hearing strange noises, and there is a rumor that they see the ghost of Daniel Dodge from time to time there. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And that's it for Danny Dodge, but we're going to move on to his sister, Frances. Frances. Um, so Frances, she was encouraged to ride horses early in life at Meadowbrook, and she eventually began to breed horses, and her operations became well-known in the show, ho- show horse world. She received control of her $10 million trust fund on her 25th birthday in 1938 at a surprise party, at which Frank Sinatra sang, no biggie. Yeah, sure. Uh, she would be married that same year. In 1945, though, she and her first husband bought a farm in Kentucky. And she, like her older half-sister, Isabel, because remember, they had had a few marriages, yeah. who was also a stable owner, she became interested in racing horses. So not just breeding, but racing. Yeah. Uh, she even set a few records. And in 1948, though, she divorced her first husband, married her second in 1949, and officially moved, moved Dodge Stables to Kentucky, the property that she had previously gotten. She was considered a pioneer for women in the horse racing world and was awarded many times throughout her career. Yes, horse ho, get it. And that is the wild and crazy ride of most of the Dodge heirs. Wild and crazy is right. We had everything. We had a boat bitch, a horse ho, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. bunch of scandals, deaths, murders. I don't think there are any murders that we know of. I was going to say, some people alleged. think, but yeah. L- lots of living fast. I do want to mention my sources really quick. Oh, do it. We're just going to say Wikipedia, of course. I also use the Gross Point Historical Society website, gphistorical.org, and an article of the Dodge Family, The Gross Points, by Michael W. Skinner, a New York Times article called Tangle of Heirs to the Dodge Fortune Develops a New Knot by James Barron, and also an article named Mrs. Horace Dodge Dies at 103 Among the World's Richest Women. Article in the Evening Telegraph, The Story of Dundee, Born Anna Dodge, Who Became One of the Richest Women in the World by Dance Rugvi. Schoolfieldcountryhouse.com, my favorite heiress, Anna and Delphine Dodge, a mother and daughter who grabbed life by the horns by Conrad Hansen, and findagrave.com. Nice. I still can't believe she cut out that necklace that belonged to Catherine the Great. How dare she? Mm-hmm. It's very confusing, though, because I know in the 80s, she paid to like track it all down and put it back together or whatever. Well, that's good. It got just... I was reading about pearls today because I fall on Willard Wikipedia holes. Um... Apparently, it's really rare to find them naturally, especially these days. 
I mean, it makes sense. They have to be made in very specific conditions. Yeah. I remember one time I was at a place where like you could pay to have somebody go dive and and get like a a clam and you could see if there was a pearl in there. Uh I don't think mine had one. (laughs) Yeah. I think I was bummed. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's such like a trope that like people just like find a clam that has a pearl in it. And I feel like that's not very likely. Well, no, because again, like trope. A, I can't remember if it's clams or oysters, technically. It's oysters. It's a bunch of different shellfish or a bunch of different mollusks. It's various mollusks. Mm -hmm. But it does. It takes a long time. It's not. Yeah. Pearls, they are, I can see going down a rabbit hole with them, though, because they are pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was a a quick rabbit hole. I do have like um, one very tiny pearl necklace, but Uh it's. It's real bad because I'm pretty sure it's a family heirloom and I'm not sure who owned it. I just know it's real old. Uh, I feel like I have. (laughs) I should probably ask my parents about it. I have these pictures of I just call them like the dead relatives because they're from like probably like the early 1900s, maybe even late 1800s. But like Mm -hmm. it's just like photographs taken of old dead relatives. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, my parents don't know who they are how we're related but my my parents have like even like tin types uh are you familiar with tin types it's one of the earliest um i'm a photo nerd um it's one of the earliest types of photography we're on actual tin Mm -hmm. uh just because like putting the the this stuff i don't completely remember so don't quote me on it but um putting the like actual chemicals and stuff i think in tin they're called tin types and they're literally just it's a photo on tin like but it's Ooh. also like one of the oldest one of the oldest like types of photography there there is and we and my parents my dad's it's my dad's side of the family mostly for some reason there is just super old and i wouldn't know who most of those people are I feel like your dad's side, at least you're, from what I know about your dad, I feel like they've just always kind of been like techie. Like, ooh, what's this new thing? Um, his family, no. no? <laughs> Oddly enough. No. Because okay. um, again, I mean, and, and this is something you and I have talked about uh, a lot. Like, my dad was adopted. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know where the techie stuff came in. Like, I don't know if that was just like nurture versus nature within him mm-hmm. um because i mean he was mostly raised by his mother and his grandmother and i'm pretty sure like a mother and grandmother in the 50s was not uh yeah not exactly <laughs> tech savvy yeah and they were his mother was like a little bit older than the average mother of that time period mm-hmm. um which is why you know one of the reasons like i believe from what i understand like they had you know chosen adoption and mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not, and this is Kansas too. This is like small town Kansas, like <laughs> good old so, Kansas. Yeah, I think it came more from like his surroundings at school. Like I'm sure he was like an AV club or something like that, and then like yeah. probably picked it up from there. And he actually started more into music, so I'm not sure exactly where he picked that up. It's like I was just thinking the other day, I need to like interview my parents because there's just things yeah. that. I think we take for granted sometimes and then, you know, I want to ask them while they have, I have the opportunities. Not that I'm like, 
this is morbid now and i'm not trying to be morbid but just to like no i get it it's just like people aren't gonna be like i feel the same way because my grandpa was a world war ii vet and like Mm -hmm. he didn't like to talk about it given and i was also like in sixth grade when he died but like Mm -hmm. i just like wish we had some kind of yeah like just something of him talking yeah the only thing i know is that uh he was stationed i think somewhere in asia because like he, all, he said all he ate was rice and that's why he would never eat rice back in the states mm-hmm. i actually uh my dad's dad so my grandfather also was in world war ii uh unfortunately he passed when my dad was very young so it's mm-hmm. very hard yeah. to recollect any of those stories because yeah. my dad was like six yeah but even like the little ones he does know like i would like to genuinely know those because like there's like bits and pieces i think it'd yeah. be interesting to know some things um and actually just like have them you know what it is it's like little kid brain hears things and then we like take that into adulthood yeah but i'm like little kid brain can be wrong without like the full context yeah yeah like you can't determine what kid brains are gonna like latch on to like which mm-hmm. line of the story because it's never the whole story mm-hmm. and like my grandparents on the other side i wish i had done this with them and like Maybe my parents still know some. I honestly would just really want to get grandparents stories before whatever. Yeah. And they're both gone. But there's just like crazy things. Like my grandfather had amnesia when he was 19. And I'm like, can I hear more about that, please? Yeah. That like <laughs> amnesia is another trope that like I don't think I've ever known anyone who actually has amnesia. But I know it's a real thing for sure. Yeah, he the story goes and this is all I literally know, because, again, we're talking like this is dumb teenage brain, probably. But yeah. like he got hit in the head with a softball when he was 19 and got amnesia. And that that's the end of story. And I'm like, can we explore this for a moment? Yeah. <laughs> can we just like rewind a sec? Kind of see that we glossed over some stuff there. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, like all like is it all memory like i just yeah mm-hmm. 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 memory is interesting it really is so i guess what we're trying to say to everybody <laughs> talk to people use a recorder yeah get some stuff down because that's how we learn history <laughs> exactly and i want to know what, what's your family's you know what i mean like share yeah. with us we'd love to yeah. hear some strange family history yeah we will have a side journey sometime yes <laughs> that love would be side so journeys that would because mm-hmm. i know you've got some and i know i've got some oh yeah but i would love to hear some listener ones too exactly this is very unplanned this just is where the conversation went and i'm sorry for springing this on alex <laughs> oh no you're good i was just pulling up my two truths and a lie just to have them ready when Ooh. you're ready for two truths and a lie i have a kind of a fun one today I think I'm ready. Is it about pearls? It is not, surprisingly. (laughs) The other Wikipedia hole I felt, not Wikipedia, just internet hole, which is like looking up fun facts about states. Okay. So I decided to do Michigan. Ooh. So I've got three Michigan facts. Mm -hmm. Fact number one, Sault Ste. Marie is the third oldest remaining settlement in the U.S. Fact number two. Michigan has flown three different flags, British, French, and United States. Fact number three, Michigan is home to the magic capital of the world as recognized by the U.S. Congress. 
the magic capital, like Abracadabra? Yes. yes. I don't even know where that would be, but I feel like you wouldn't have made that up. But I want. I'm going to go with number two being the lie. That is correct. Yes. And like, I thought, am I being too mean with this one? Because here's the tr- here's the tea. Here's the truth. Here's what happened. Bring it. Yes. So Michigan has actually flown four different flags. The fourth being the Spanish flag. Huh. So and it was for one day in 1970 or not 19, 1780 for one day in 1780 during the American Revolution. Spanish forces from St. Louis, which they had also controlled at the time. I didn't know the Spanish ever had presence in St. Louis. Uh, But they came up to Michigan and took back Fort St. Joseph from the British. They put their flag up for a day and then handed the fort back over to the Americans. Oh, wild. Isn't it? Yeah. So Spain basically was like, we're kicking the British out. We're flying our flag for some day. We don't want this. Here you go, Americans. Gotta go by. Wow. Yeah. Would not have expected that. Yeah, so the Spanish flag flew one day in America, or not America, in Michigan. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? So number one was true. Sault Ste. Marie is the third oldest remaining settlement in the U.S., and it was founded in 1668 by Father Jacques Marquette. Okay. Um, and most importantly, the magic capital of the world is in Colon, Michigan. Huh. And it's known as the magic capital of the world because of the Abbott Magic Company that's based there, and they are the largest manufacturer of magic supplies. Interesting. Yeah. And, like, I went to their website, and, like, they had some stuff, but it was also, like, gently used rabbit hat table kind of thing. Like, it was very funny. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Literal rabbit hole fell down. Do they have, like, the the saw, the box that you saw I'm guessing. I didn't dig too deeply, but I'm only imagining like it's such a weird little thing because it's such a small town. I think it's out. I think it's actually by St. Joseph. Okay, I was gonna uh, say yeah. I've never heard. I think of it's in St. Joseph County. Joseph. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, magic capital of the world. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I couldn't have imagined where, but it was too wild to not be true. <laughs> right. I like. I felt that as I was writing it, but I'm like, I can't not use this one. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun one. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps part two of the Dodge Brothers. I think so. Uh, Come back next week for For a finale of the Dodge Brothers story. The other air. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Teaser. Teaser. There is one more air. We clearly don't know how to do things in parts. Uh, <laughs> We're learning as we go. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Sorry, did I ruin? Did I did I break the illusion? Only if we're in Colon, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, what a name, C O L O N. Yeah. That's Colon, right? I think so. That's why I said it like that, and I didn't mean to say it with such a <laughs> Colon. Colon, Michigan. <laughs> Sound to it. Colon, Michigan. I wonder if it Magic. was named after the punctuation or the organ. That's a good question. Hello, I internet? hope the punctuation. Yeah, or maybe some guy named like James Colon founded the town when he stuck a flag inside. Like you something. just stop there very briefly, and then you continue to St. Joseph. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to pass through Sphincter, Michigan, which is right next door. 
<laughs> what about pancreas? That's my Lansing. Oh, okay. Uh, but if you want to follow us on our social media, that was mm-hmm. not a smooth transition. I apologize. But if you want to just keep on driving to yeah. our social media. You just keep on just like... You know, there was a bump on the road there, but if you keep driving, you'll find our social medias at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. As always, if you want to support the show, we would love it if you would rate, subscribe, review. It really does help a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, a, a 10 second thing and it would make our our day. It would be great. And, right. um, you know, you can also help support on our Patreon or our Threadless shop. And yeah. I think until, until next time. Next time. Stay, stay strange. strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit Duo, Sex and Violence.